a Highline podcast. This is Ravel, a roundtable show about the complexity of faith in the age of information. My name's Josh. I'm Stephen. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of American Christianity, and we still keep thinking about how to take it seriously, even as we leave some beliefs behind. We think theology should be an exploratory dialogue, so our hope is that this podcast will encourage growth, both for individuals and communities. We don't have all the answers, but we're here to sort out as much as we can over a drink or two. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. Josh, my friend, how are you this week? I'm doing great. Uh, Seattle is no longer hot these days. I mean, it's still warm comparatively, but it's not like blistering hot. Nice. The smoke has gone away. It is beautiful Washington weather over here. I think I've started multiple episodes by saying, Josh, my friend, in that exact tone before. So that's weird. But anyway. That's okay. I always talk about the weather. What else is there to talk about? That's true. It's insanely smoky here in Montana. Like I didn't even see the sun come up. It was that thick. It was stupid. Um, we are very excited for this episode of Ravel because we are finally rounding out the into crew as a guest, as like the roster of guest hosts on Ravel. We are welcoming Mr. Alex Falcongrove. This man was my childhood best friend. And then he and I didn't talk for 20 years after my family moved away. And now he and I talk almost every day again and it's full circle and it's amazing. So Alex, welcome to the show. Hello, greetings. Uh, for anyone who's keeping score at home on your bingo cards, uh, Alex is the son of Marvin Tracy, who have been on before. Yep. And the wife of Katie. Yep, Alex and is the wife Kevin. of Katie. Yes. And the other friend <laughs> of Kevin. Alex is the wife of Katie. Let's get that right. Um, oh, did I right. say wife? <laughs> He's yeah. not Ale- wrong. I mean, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. So Alex, we, we just talked about uh, what kind of couple we look like. Like, what meme is your couple? Oh. And I felt really convicted because you see some of those pictures, and you're like, "Oh, dang it, they got us." And I saw <laughs> Jesse and James from Team Rocket, and I was like, "Katie, it's us." Oh. Yeah, they're brother and sister. It's us. <laughs> it's uh, you guys have the same haircut, even so. That's awesome. Look at that. Alex, will you briefly, I mean, like, so Josh gave us the rundown on how the, the whole Into uh, roster is related to you, but will you talk about yourself a bit and talk about what the Into podcast represents to you? Well, sure. I'd love to. Uh, it was mainly inspired by the conversations that we were already having in that group. So whether that was hot tub talk or real talk around the dinner table, uh, or just like late night conversations. It was often about theology, or science, or politics, or just like fun stories. And I think it's just really important to be able to talk to your parents, your spouse, and your best friends about stuff that matters. And that eventually became uh, the Into podcast, because it's whatever it is that we're into, because we can't agree on a common theme and i think that that's kind of the point because it's at first it was like do we talk about religion are we like ravel 
you know, before we even knew Ravel existed. Definitively like, not at this point. Let's Definitively. not be <laughs> exactly. Ravel does let's not, not be have exclusively a poop religion. <laughs> poop stories, because we knew we're like we have to talk about poop. Right? How do we do that? So it Excellent. can be as silly as poop. Uh, my favorite party topic conversation starter was uh, disassembling a person bit by bit and doing if the ship of Theseus, but with robotics in a quest to find out where the soul is in the body. Amazing. Because you don't ever really talk about religion or spirituality, but you very quickly find out what people think because of their views on the soul. Right. And you you pretty much guide those conversations, and I'm always impressed by the questions you pose to like pull out some really big stuff from your family and from your friends. It's very impressive. Also, well, how dare you. you do the Ship of Theseus episode? It was literally the first episode. You came out the gate so strong. That's what started everything. We were like, this is pretty good. We could make a podcast on this. And then after episode one, we're like, wait, what else do we do? Right. And then we are slowly figuring it out. Fair enough. Slowly figuring it out. Poop Stories is great. God Committee is hard. Delight came out today. Yes. The day of our recording. And if they want to know more about you, there's an entire No Normal People episode featuring yourself. So, In fact, if they want to know specifics on my faith journey, that's where they should go. Because I'm not really going to rehash it all. We kind of tell the story, for sure. Um, All right. Then what are we drinking tonight, gents, before we let Alex take it away? Well, I've got a bourbon barrel peach cider from... It's not Teton, because there's an I in there, but it looks like Teton with an I in there. So it must be like Titan Teton Cider Works here in Washington. Okay. It is really good. It's like, it's crisp and refreshing and smooth and tasty. Nice. It's great. It's almost like a little maple syrupy. Like, you know when you... Like oh. make a peach crumble and there's like a caramelized sugariness to the peach. Wow. Somehow they got that flavor in there, but it's not overpowering. Impressive. What about you, Alex? What are you drinking? I have done a homemade vodka sour with my favorite vodka, which was a gift to me in this uh, summer season, which is the red, white, and blue Smirnoff. Oh. And if you have not had that, it tastes like one of those rocket pops. Oh, that's dangerous. But it's vodka. That's scary. All right. Correct. I'll give it a shot. Maybe we'll give it a shot when I'm there in uh You're going to be October. careful if you give it a shot. Yeah. Because you might take several. That's probably a good call. I am back on one of my favorite Montana beers. It's a Montucky cold snack. Delicious cold beer. It's perfect for summer. Um, Alex, once again, welcome to the show. You know how the format works because you've been listening along with us for quite a while. And I do. All your co-hosts of Ravel have been on here too, so you're kind of like batting clean up here, ready for the gla- the grand slam, as it were. I would like to think that what you just said about Intu's format of like, yeah, yeah, I corral them and I ask them questions. Me as a person, I'm like a big picture thinker, and I'm not great at like doing the specifics. I'm great at corralling and having like a common theme. So. That is my goal tonight of like, okay, all the other hosts have said what they have, they've had their episodes and I agree with a whole bunch in there and I think it's very important and ideally somehow I can stitch them all together. Well, excellent. Which, which thread would you like to pull on first then? Uh, well, 
Henning, I have some business first. And it's actually for Josh. Business time. Because the first time that I was on Whiskey Bench, I paid compliments to the hosts and Josh. We've not officially met. And I certainly, I certainly don't think that uh, my online presence is representative of my personality. And I have been embarrassed thus far about how we have interacted online or stuff that I've put online. Oh, no. Um, specifically the Gunger and Science Mike thing. Because I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm not really like this. This was just a bad moment. And we're going to talk about that. So anyway, I would like to give us like a fresh in-person start because I'm bad at being online. I think you're great at being online. I love your TikToks. I love everything that you post. And on Ravel, I love your demeanor and personality. I like really can't sing enough praises. I, how many times have I told you, Stephen, of just like, Josh is great. Josh has great takes. He's very kind, is very funny. I appreciate you a lot. And I'm glad that not only Ravel is a thing, but I'm glad that you specifically are on Ravel. Because I think it's important. Oh, oh well, thank you, Alex. That that is very meaningful. Thank you. So there, now, now that business is over, um, I would like to preface in a similar way that Kevin prefaced his episode, which is like, like I just said, I'm great at the big picture stuff, and I don't have a good big picture for this episode, and I've been stressed about it, and I have known that I was going to be on for months. Two months? Three months? We've been voxering about it for quite a bit. A very long time, and this whole time has been like, should I talk about this? Ah. And then I'm like, oh, I'll talk about youth group, because I feel really passionately about that. And then Katie does it, and I'm like, oh, you did that so much better than I ever could have, which is often how I feel about Into, by the way. I'm like, oh, we got to talk about this, and I don't quite know what to say. And then one of the other hosts will say something, my dad will say something profound, and I go, yes, exactly, great. I'm glad I didn't have to say that. Yeah. Um, so I think that everyone who has been on so far has nailed their topic, and I almost feel like I have nothing to say. So that's a bit of the preface. And the other side is that I align a lot with Kevin in like, I don't know how much I personally would like to ravel things because I have left. And mm. that would feel disingenuous not to say right out of the gate mm. of like, Hey, everyone who's listening, I, I think, right, so Ravel has a great listener base that probably trusts all the hosts for very good reason. I think Henning, Josh, and Emily are great people, and you make a great team, and I'm, like, not here to mess everything up. <laughs> or, like, oh, or and is now he? I, right. And now I'm on here, and I'm gonna, I don't know, I just, like, don't want to be skeevy about it. You don't want to be so. the wolf in sheep's clothing, is what you're saying. Exactly. Yeah. And I want to be here, and they're like, wait a minute, does this guy, is this guy a Christian? And I, like, would like to come out and be like, I am not a Christian anymore. And I, like, don't, I don't take that title, and I don't want that title, and that's probably a little bit about what this conversation will be so does that feel like enough business totally yeah all right well my topic that i come to the table is um the scene in whiplash which i haven't even seen the full movie i've just seen the best clips where the guy is like are you upset say that you're upset and he goes i'm upset and he goes mm? and he goes i'm upset and he lets him go again he goes i'm upset 
that's what I'm bringing to the table today. So I don't know how much fun we're going to have, but I would like Whoa, it to be fun. Absolutely. So I'm upset. And this is the airing of grievances as someone who was like born into and raised by the traditional Christian American evangelicalism. And to change the tone, so it starts out like really hot, like I'm upset and I'm yelling. While I think that's probably still true, like I want to to validate that emotion that I have, but like that doesn't mean that I have to stay there. Um, much, a lot better put is Mr. Rogers, what do we do with the mad that we feel? And mm-hmm. that is what I would like to talk about because I think for a very long time in the midst of raveling and deconstructing and all of that fun stuff is I have grieved mm. and I think that that just doesn't get named and it doesn't get processed and there's just more and more stuff especially as you're leaving an organization a religion people who like meant a whole lot to you I think there's a lot of grief there so, I don't know. That's the topic that I'm bringing, and I don't know what all you guys want to talk about, and it doesn't need to, like, be that heavy, you know? It could just be like, ah, here's the thing that was annoying, because I, like, have particular things that I can point to, but I gave you the topic for now, so if you have any thoughts right now, feel free to jump in. I want to tell you the exact same thing we told Kevin right before the mics came on for his episode. I, while you both are are coming with any kind of like trepidation for like, I'm not sure I belong on Ravel because of X, Y, and Z, you know, like I'm definitively not a Christian anymore, or like, I don't want to rock the boat too much with what Ravel is doing. I think you two in particular are very important to highlight because like we talk about Raveling all the time and like taking our faith like American Christianity very seriously as the three of us. I mean, like Emily is just full blown pastor, right? So like she's, she's got skin in the game. Josh and I are both at the point where we're like, we're pretty Christian ish, but there's something you guys saying Christian ish is the best. There's I have loved that every time <laughs> it's brought up. And I'm like, that is so, that's so perfect for where they're probably at. And I don't, just like you were saying, I do not want to drag Emily through this or Emily's church. Oh no. Like from everything that I've heard, I think she's doing a great and necessary job. So Emily, hopefully you will listen to this and I'm sorry if anything that we say is offensive, it's not like pointed at you. No, but see, that's the thing. Obviously she's not the kind of person who would take it personally. Like, right. She has such a huge heart for literally everyone, but like Josh and I are Christian-ish in the sense of like we are working on the these same kind of thoughts, and there's something that, at least I'll speak for me, there's something in me that has a desire to remain Christian, whether that end up being uh, prepended with however many adjectives like progressive or you know insert any adjective there that makes me a little more universalist, universalist, uh, yeah, anything Post, like post-modern that, postmodern Christian. <laughs> But I think you and Kevin are perfect people to have on Ravel because what we haven't talked about very much on Ravel yet is that very much the process of deconstructing can end with someone just walking away from it. And I don't I definitely don't have animosity for that. Like, Alex, you and I have been speaking for almost a year now and I've learned a lot about you. And to me, I'm like, 
yeah, he probably should have left. Like from what of what everything I've heard, like I I guess I'll just affirm your feelings by saying like you probably deserve to be at least a measure of the upset you feel, you know. Hmm. Alex, I'm super curious because I think Steven's absolutely right that like obviously full deconversion is totally a conclusion some people come to when it comes to like being upset about the church or questions about their faith going unanswered or them feeling like faith is just completely invalid. Like deconverting and like completely walking away from faith, like whatever you want to call it, like that is completely a reality for many, many people. And what intrigues me so much about you in particular is that you seem very interested in the Ravel project and like see it as really valuable uh, when you yourself uh, like have said here and also on Twitter that like you don't feel like you have anything to add to the conversation about Christianity, whether or not you believe it anymore. So like, what is it about this kind of work that you think is still good and important somehow or interesting even, even though you yourself don't feel like you are doing any of those things? Yep. Is so- it just part of like the grief process for you, do you think? Some of that is just if when you grow up knowing something this well and that's so ingrained in your life, like I don't really know how anyone can let that go 100%. Mm. I've still wondered, like, am I always going to go to a Christmas service just because, you know, even if I don't even believe anything, just because. It's the culture, cultural like touch point kind of thing. Exactly. I... I have some problems with spiral dynamics, but at the end of the day, I think that that is what it comes down to, where I can recognize that the church, big picture, like, doesn't even matter what denomination, the church is serving a huge good to a lot of people, and that's just the next best thing, and I think that that is what religion has been doing throughout all of human history. Mm. Rabel talks about this, I forget in what book, but he says, like... And to an extent, I still agree with this, that God is always furthering wherever humanity's currently at. And I think that that gets even more into the minutia of like where every person is at. If you're at A, God's going to lead you to B. If you're at F, he's going to lead you to G, whatever. I don't know that that totally works because in Spiral Dynamics, I think there's like a lot of superiority complex that can happen. Of And if anyone's not familiar, all it means is like there are colors and everyone says that there's not a hierarchy of colors and that everyone's fine to be where they're at. But like there is obviously a hierarchy of colors and some are better than others. And like because <laughs> if you if you feel like you're green, you you kind of like, oh, yeah, uh, I'm past blue. Exactly. I'm not it is a natural anymore. evolution. Right. To be higher than blue. <laughs> I'm yellow. Of and course. And while I can look at any of those things and say, yeah, the church can totally organize. The blue energy is great at organizing and rallying the troops. But at the end of the day, should everybody be yellow? Like, yeah, kind (laughs) of. And like with a study of spiral dynamics that I think is the only conclusion you can get to is like it is better for everyone to eventually, quote unquote, become enlightened. Mm. And I don't know that if that's real you know like i don't know that it would be a good thing that the if the world is just scrubbed of religion and christianity like i don't know that that's good objectively Uh, uh. right i think there's probably some that we could do without but like when you're coming from a deep place of need and even just 
exactly what um, a lot of dispensationalism is about is like people didn't even understand nature that was happening and they thought that nature was God and why are the gods so mad at me? And even the Jews having a sacrificial system of if you do this, then you are good. I fully believe that if there was any divineness in there, divine communication, it is God is trying to communicate that you're good and you always have been. And it's humans that are needing these stepping stones that prove to them some of these things that have happened throughout time. Wow. Hopefully all of that made sense. Wow. Ravel to me is moving someone from one letter to another. And I don't know what letters we're at. You know, I don't want to be like, oh yeah, you guys are A and you're getting all these A's to B when we could be at Z. You know, it's like for all I know, once we get to Z, we restart and we hit A. But I know that progress is important. So in a very long-winded answer, <laughs> that I guess is why I like am cheering from the stands without wanting to even be a fan or a participant. <laughs> hmm. I like that answer. I feel like that's very nuanced. It is certainly different from my father. <laughs> and I love, oh man, I already said it on the whiskey bench. I cried at his benediction when I listened to it because the history mm. that he has with the church and his faith is beautiful. And for him to give that benediction, I just really loved it. And for me to be part of his deconstruction journey in a way for a period of time, um, but like he's in, you know, I don't know that my dad will ever leave the church, you know, quote unquote, like he's there. His goal is to reform from the inside. And I think I just hit a point that was like, OK, I saw an image online and this is the best metaphor analogy that I have found for this so far is like, I feel like a lot of people are talking to fish and they're like, yeah, you got to reform on the inside. And it's all these fish swimming around and like. <laughs> to also hit on the evolution thing, like eventually a fish evolved legs and it's like, no, I think I'm supposed to be on land now. And that's mm. just it where it's like, I can still look back and say, I think a lot of those fish are having a real good time in the water. And I think that that's like where they're supposed to be. But at this point, like I'm not supposed to be there anymore. Mm. Man, what an image for like moving beyond. And what sucks is like, I don't want the evolution language around that because it, I don't know, it's hard. It implies that you are inferior and I have arrived. I think what you're touching on is like, it's so hard to describe growth of any kind without seeming like there's a hierarchy or that one person is superior to another. Like it's so hard exactly. to develop language around that. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, if there's always someone who's going to be able to say like, oh, I used to be there, it, it always has right. that like bless your heart kind of mm -hmm. implication. If only you see what I see, you know? Exactly. And like, I am different. And I would look at past Christian Alex with a bit of that energy of like, man, it's going to be different. Like you're going to learn a lot and you're not going to believe these things. And that's going to be good for you. But I don't know that I would recommend that. Christians do it all the time too. Like that's exactly what testimonies were. Right. Like a retelling of your story. Yeah, and like treating your past self as uh, less than or like less deserving or less lovable or like less saved. Like, I feel like there's just such an attitude of me pre-Christianity was less than 
my current state of Christianity. And on the flip side, I feel like, thankfully, I don't think I've really experienced anyone being abusive towards uh, Christians who have like walked away from the church, but I've certainly heard people describe people who walk away from the church in like not great wording. Oh yeah. I feel like I feel like at the very least every time I've heard someone refer to someone like you, Alex, it's always like in a sense of like that person is like not as good as us anymore cuz like they're not a Christian, like they're not on the right path or they're not backslider. Their life is yeah, they're backslider. And it's this weird like bell curve of Christianity that I feel like just completely ignores like people's experience of what people walked away from or for. Like every, like literally everyone walks away for something different. Oh yeah. I think that's very well put. I think Alex of all our time speaking, like I think I've, I've recently been talking about this with, you know, our private conversations is like you have successfully kind of like not divorced your, maybe divorced yourself from past Christian Alex who would be like worried for present Alex. Like, oh my gosh. Uh, you know? um. I have not successfully done that. So like Josh, you described, you know, sometimes I feel like my current Christian self kind of looks back on my, the testimony effect of like, I used to be this dumb and now I'm this saved by grace and it's awesome. Sometimes like that timeline flips for me and I, I, it's like, there's a very much younger part of me that is like trying to claw out from the grave I've dug it. And it's like, Mm. no, you should not be like this. You should go back to being like the super faithful, like twice a week church going small group leading worship leader because like of a sense of guilt sense of for me again, always the thing I come back to is like part of it is still an anxiety of what I used to think hell was. And Mm -hmm. part of that is just so deep down in me that like sometimes I just have those moments where I'm like, well, am I the dummy now? <laughs> am I going to go to hell now? If that's real and that hell is for me now because I used to think I used to think this way of people who are like me now back then. Right. Uh I feel like that also highlights Alex kind of what you were getting at about like the grieving of leaving a religious organization. Oh yeah, there's huge loss there. Huge loss. Like literally any organization that someone's a part of whether it's like religious in nature or not, or even employment. Like if you were a part of an organization for a significant period of time, of course there was good stuff and good people. Oh yeah. Like even if it was like kind of 50, 50, like there was still good stuff there that you at some point are going to miss. And I feel like that's, I feel like that can be a sticking point for people too. Like I think sometimes people get trapped in like that kind of mindset that you were describing, Stephen, where there's still kind of like a, well, what, like, what if my past self was right and I'm currently wrong, which is like totally an intellectual humility thing, right? But I feel like people also have a similar mindset when it comes to grief. Oh, like back then it wasn't so bad. It was okay. Like I, I could put up with All it. All of the language feels exactly like a breakup. Yeah, totally. Wow. Mm-hmm. And like every relationship I've ever been in, would I say that it was 100% bad? Absolutely not. Like there was a lot of good stuff there. Because you chose to be there. 
did I, at the end of the day, choose that that was not the best thing for me? And am I currently married to someone who I think is much better? You know, it's that mm-hmm. of like, I just hit a point where I don't think we're a good fit. And then I found something that was a good fit and it's working out. Wow. Okay. Well, then I just made the association because to be truthful with you guys, the only time I've been <laughs> broken up with was with who is now my wife. Oh, damn. <laughs> like That's why you're still in the church. No, because- Just like Christ in the church, Christ will always <laughs> call the bride back. <laughs> that's good. That's kind of true, though. It's like we broke up. It is kind of true. We dated. We broke up for a year. Then we started dating again. Then we slightly broke up for like two months because we were fighting about stupid stuff. Like Noah. And then we, no, that fight was, I didn't believe she was actually speaking in tongues. Oh, okay. Well, fair. You know. Oh, my. Uh, broke up for two months about it. And and then you guys spoke in tongues later. Ayo. And then we got engaged and then we got married. Steven, so like that's gross. I have been I have been broken up with. I've gone through a breakup, but like I went straight back because I was so I am so thoroughly convinced that she mm. is the perfect person for me, you know? So what if the church is that way though? You know, like that's probably why I'm worried about it because like my entire psyche is trained to be like fight for it go back wow we're gonna take a quick break to say a few thank yous then we'll be back to our conversation thank you to our generous patrons for sponsoring this episode of the podcast y'all are such a huge encouragement to us if you'd like to support future episodes of ravel visit patreon.com slash ravelpod or by tapping the link in the show notes Thank you to everyone who is giving five-star ratings and thoughtful reviews on Apple Podcasts and to everyone who contributes to our weekly discussions at RavelPod on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, much love to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music in full color. And thank you to the Highline Media Network for having us as one of their founding podcasts. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, No Normal People. for the flourishing of humanity like drawing us toward that instead of pushing yeah. us toward that and wow. because god is is ahead and god is luring us in that kind of way god's judgment is not something that comes down on us because in in the next moment mm. we god is drawing us again and so the only judgment of god is in that moment of mourning when you choose when you might not choose what is most loving and good and creative But in that exact next moment, God is there again, drawing you. And now, back to the conversation. Alex, I would be, we're halfway through now. (laughs) Oh boy. I would be remiss if we didn't give you an opportunity to air the specific grievances that you feel like need to come off your chest. If you would like to. It's not a perfect segue, but... The opportunity exists if you would like it. Without getting, uh, without revealing too much dirty laundry, I think that more, because it's like, it's my story, but there's a lot of people implicated. Yeah, like so we don't need to a do name drop or, right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but like some is close, you know? <laughs> so I think one of the big things that I often come back to is like, I played the game right and it feels like I lost and then it was a big waste of time. Right. So with my upbringing, like I was the kid who had the father who was an elder 
and we were very involved in the church and like went to all the events and stayed late, like very similar to how I assume a lot of pastors kids are, albeit without all of the pressure of being a PK. Like Mm -hmm. I do not think that I had the same circumstance, but like kind of tasted it, went to church and like really loved and enjoyed church, like did all the things right, like was the top performer in the Sunday schools and like learned all my scripture to be a good Christian boy. And like, I will say it's just going to be up to to anyone's interpretation of what I'm saying of like, if it was genuine or not, because it could sound like even though all I'm being told is that we're saved by faith and I'm just doing all of these works, like, uh, he just didn't really get it. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that I got it, you know, like it did click in my head and I was doing these things not so that I could be saved, but because I felt like that was just the right thing to do out of like good motivation. So like did well in youth group, like tried to be the upstanding role model throughout all of high school, uh, became the, the president of the Christian fraternity at CU Boulder that is notoriously like a party college amongst the heathens. Yeah. So like did, I would say a plus from one years old to like 20 sophomore year in college and felt pretty good about it. And I would say like, that's a pretty good life. All things considered, I did the quote unquote right things per the church. And then you hit a point of like slowly deconstructing. And even through that process is like, Hey, evolution might be true. Okay. Well then what about scriptural inerrancy? Okay. Well, what about heaven and hell? And then it's college and you meet all these new people and your bubble gets popped. And I still like even saved myself for marriage. Although that could of course be debatable based on, how I think everyone talks about that. And I think all us Christians are cheating most of the time and you know who you are. And now that I'm on the other side, I don't think you should feel bad about it. I second all of that. And this is like part of the problem (laughs) is that like I was the guy from zero to 20 professing that this is the way to do things. And now I'm the guy at 26 who still kind of objectively did everything right. And I'm the one that's like, you don't need to do all of that. Like most of this is nonsense and there is way too much guilt in there that nobody even needs to feel because no one can do it, you know? So I'm mad about that. That's one thing. One tiny thing. One little, I one just detail. feel like from zero to 20 years old. <laughs> and what's hard is like, I met a lot of good people. There was a lot of good experiences. There were a lot of people who cared about me and loved me and like, I learned how to play the drums. I played on the worship team. And it similar to what Kevin expressed when he's talking about camp is like, there's a lot of good stuff here. And I think at the end of the day, kids just need to go somewhere and know that they can be loved by an adult figure and be like welcomed in a group. And like, that's good. And that's really all they need. There is just so much extra baggage in a lot of those things that doesn't need to be there. And that's what I, at the end of the day, I'm upset about. I, you've conjured two images in my head from mythology, and I hate the implication because of, because of the, the book it's associated with, but it sounds like there was a moment in you where you, it was like Atlas didn't need to, doesn't need to carry the world on his shoulders anymore. Like, yeah, at the risk of sounding really cheesy, like eh. you shrugged, <laughs> Atlas shrugged. Right. Like, I'm not even that I. What's the worst part is like after you shrug, you realize that it's not even the world. Right. Right. It's all this weight. And you're like, 
and you pull it off your shoulders and it's and it's just like a bag of heavy Whoa. and you're like wait that's all that was that's all i was suffering for was wow. for nothing yeah and then you look across and you're like wait i can just like feel light and do the gospel and experience the gospel which is that god loves you and everyone else all the time forever you know which is how i feel that is that yeah i mean of course of of course because if it's if it's on your shoulders behind your head and you're like, this is so heavy. This is so burdensome, but I have to do it. You know, I have to carry my cross, as some yeah. person said. Yeah. And then you get it off your shoulders. It's like, wait, what? And then this? if you get mad at God for not helping you with your burden, it's like, yeah, because that's not, God didn't want you to carry that in the first place. You know, <laughs> is what I think. Right. Right. I also had the image of the way Camus writes about Sisyphus in the book named the myth of Sisyphus. Like, yeah, you, you have two choices. Either you get used to pushing the boulder up the hill for it to roll down and for you to push it up again. But what if Sisyphus just rebelled too? just walk away? What if he just left it at the bottom of that hill? Like there's nothing waiting for you. You know, there's nothing up there. And maybe, maybe of course the argument for someone hearing that would be like, but you don't know there's nothing at the top of this hill. You don't, know that <laughs> you didn't there's go nothing. far enough there's you know, a little further next time well you don't know that there's not an afterlife is like what right. is uh who's the guy basically it's like it would be safer to believe in god just in case there is a heaven or a hell what's mm. that oh pascal pascal's wager thank you mm-hmm. yeah. one of the weakest arguments for god thank you but that's kind of how it feels is like if we're going to use the sisyphus model it's like either just leave it at the bottom of the hill dude you don't need to push you don't need to keep pushing. Both of those were compelling as you were sharing that bit. So. I mean, doesn't it just like completely boil down to whether people care about your life now or they're arguing that they care about your life later? Like you keep mentioning the afterlife and like a lot of people, I think, approach not just Christianity. I think every religion can have this fault. I think a lot of people emphasize like life later. Like you're doing these things now because we're asked to and this is what yeah. We're meant to do on this earth. That's how we talk about later. money. Invest for retirement is even like that's yeah. our entire economy is built on save it for later. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of Christians like to pretend that they uh, aren't in Christianity for the fire insurance, but they totally are. Yeah, I would agree. But then there's plenty of Christians out there, I think, and other religions also that obviously give a crap about life now. And like in their minds, Christianity and literally good faith is about improving people's well-being right now, our own and the world around us. And I feel like that distinction is just so stark to me. I still think about that, uh, like even because this has been a talk you can imagine based on my two parents' ravels that like they're stoked to still be Christians for the most part. Right. right? Yeah. They like this. So for me to be like, I don't think I'm on this team anymore is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of fear there Mm. for both them and like everybody else. But like if you're if your mindset of Christianity is about people's well-being right now and someone is telling you to your face, I don't think Christianity is for me right now and my life is not improved in it. Then I should be like, great. Well, like go forth and do not then. Totally. Like whatever you need to do to fix yourself, like whether it's, whether it's therapy or whether it's oh. anything else, like preach if, to therapy, dude. Like if, uh, if, if Christians mean to take love your neighbor as yourself and 
take that command of care really seriously, then like you have to you have to listen to people. I don't understand. It's really postmodern in a way. I don't understand the denial of people's experiences. Like whether it's church related or not, or even whether it's abuse or not. Hmm. Like even if it's something arguably minor, like something that was not illegal, something that did not do any measurable physical or psychological harm, for someone to say like, well, that thing that happened to you that you're telling me is not bad and affects your life in a major way and makes you want to radically change which religious organization you're a part of, for me to just deny that and say that like, well, you shouldn't come to that conclusion. That's just like a huge existential denial. Right. And I, I don't understand how we can let, I don't understand how people think that that's reasonable to do. There's also that effect of like the denial of experience. You, now I'm thinking of like me too and church Too movements, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's that effect of like that gaslighting effect of like, how dare you misinterpret our pastor's best intentions, even though that got sexually abusive or emotionally abusive. Like he's doing the Lord's work, that gaslighting of like, you're probably wrong. You probably interpreted that incorrectly. That's, That's exactly the kind of stuff gross. that just at some point, like, cause I really felt still even in the midst of doubts and deconstruction and all that, like, no, I'm still on the Christian team. And mm. then at some point, like the scales just flip. Mm. Like one day you're 51% Christian, 49% doubter. <laughs> <laughs> and then at some point you're 51% doubter and 49% Christian. And it's like, I don't want to be on this team anymore. Like mm-hmm. I know that Christians invented hospitals. I also know that they did the crusades and that like systematically their power structure is made to abuse people. And like, it should be no surprise that sexual abuse stuff happens. And I don't want to be on that team anymore. Right. You know, wow. <laughs> Okay, uh, to play the to play devil's avocado a little bit. Um, Absolutely. Do you, do you also reject any other organization like the Boy Scouts of America that have rampant abuse more than the church has been documented? I don't claim to be on the Boy Scouts team. Great. Well, then I think that's reasonable and consistent. Wonderful. Let's reject every system. I mean, kind of. I, I will say, like, because we already hinted at the Gunger stuff, is like, I had hope in the liturgists and like, oh, mm. we just have to like reinvent this, right? Uh, yeah. It's, it's still mm-hmm. good. Like we can make a community and it can be different. And I have just found like both within the church and outside the church is like, no, every structure. Oh man, this is going to sound so nihilistic and negative, but like do it. Every, do it. every structure is destined to fail and to disappoint you. Hmm. Because our, I think it's mainly because of the messaging that we tell ourselves. And I think that that, if anything, has been my takeaway of like, just give less power to the people who have authority in the church and you would probably not be disappointed. Even with Science Mike and Michael Gunger is like, man, if I would have put less stock in everything that they had to say and recognize that like, oh, these are just people who also don't know anything just like me. then I would probably be less upset. And that also gives them grace, which I will say I just embraced it because, Josh, I really I was going to censor myself on that tweet because I was like, 
Oh, I honestly Whatever. don't remember this. You should refresh oh, my memory. Oh, thank God. I would rather not. <laughs> but just like when they were getting mad, uh, and you're going to have to bleep this, Steven, but I was just like, F- this noise. Like, I'm tired of this. It's both of you are just abusing both systems that you have, and you're just rallying your followers against each other to get whatever you want. And I'm tired of it. And it used to be something that really spiritually fed me. And now I'm just disappointed again. Which, like, to your point, is like classic church dynamics. I agree. Right? Like, that is just like the same exact thing. I'm like, I thought I got out of this and I've been in it the whole t- You know, I never left. <laughs> I think the fear, too, like, because I, I was very invested in uh, the liturgists. Now, at this point, I say the greatest gift the liturgists ever gave me was Hillary McBride as a person. Oh, Be- but hey, we better not put her on a pedestal either, dude. It's true. But especially with the two mics science and gungies it was like for me i look at that relationship now like how contentious it can be like on twitter or whatever and i'm like oh god i don't want this to happen to me and one of my current friends oh yeah i'm terrified of that because i want to be likable to everyone you know like (laughs) don't do that to me like i that would i would just wither up and die i think And yet here I am trying to build podcasting platforms across a few different feeds and a network and all that. So Uh, I'm asking for it, I guess, maybe, but don't victim blame yourself. (laughs) Is that what I did? I guess I just did this. I think. I don't know. Question mark. Yeah. No, because that I mean, like that, that whole thing. uh, I hear what each of you have to say. And for me, like that was just my take on it. Like, oh, I would hate to lose a friendship like that, considering how I know they were friends like that, you know? And that's, and that's probably another angle to why, like I feel committed to try and get back to church and keep my Christian Jersey because I have so many friendships and so many relationships that started there that aren't based in that right now. But it kind of like what I said on Katie's episode is like, I, it, at a certain point it starts feeling like I'm betraying my tribe and my people. And I hate the idea of doing that. Alex, I have a question for you that I wanted to try to figure out how to work into Kevin's episode because of like where you two are located. We're pretty much the same. Spiritually religious. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you're basically the same person. I'm going to treat you like a multitude. You touched on this a second ago about like there's a there's a point in the religious experience where you shift from being more doubter than believer. What do you think about the idea that someone religious should be almost as equally agnostic. Ooh. Because I think I think that. At the end of the day, for a Christian who wears the label and stuff, I think it would be really hard to maintain an agnosticism about whether or not Jesus was the Son of God, died for your sins, and came back to life. Hmm. Because that's a huge claim, and if that's what everything is founded on, like, yeah, be agnostic about some other stuff. And that's what it always was for me during my journey, was like, yeah, yeah, mm. you can question, like, evolution and stuff, and the inerrancy of the Bible, and even the We're afterlife the to basics. an extent. So, like, we but have like, to agree on the basics. No, honestly, and it's like, yeah. no, say what you mean, and it's, do you believe that there was a guy who lived at this time, did this stuff, said this and then died and came back to life. Because if you don't, you're out of the club. Right. 
And at a certain point, that's why I like don't wear the badge because I'm like, you guys told me that this was what being in the club means. And I don't think that. So now I'm not in the club. I would Mm. like to point out the cognitive dissonance. I'm not saying you're doing this. I would like to point out the cognitive dissonance and the cognitive difference between Mm. saying you believe something and the feeling of believing something. I think there's a lot of people (laughs) who say they believe something, but they are not embracing what their feelings are about that. And like going back to what you were saying about grief and you grieving after the fact, realizing that you didn't believe something. I think that that was you authentically like leaning into the feeling of whether or not you believed something. And I think there's a ton of people out there who don't do that, regardless of where they're at on the belief spectrum. And I, these days, I feel convinced that faith means agnosticism. Hmm. And that any person who says that they have faith in religion or a person should be as equally agnostic about that. How does that, okay, so how does thinking about that or feeling that translate into like acting like that, do you think? How do you act at least 50%? I mean, you can, you can act like something is true without knowing for sure. Like scientists do that all the time. Oh, that's yeah. What, that's what a like hypothesis building is. True. Okay. What's difficult about this premise in question is kind of what I touched on of like, I genuinely think that I believed what. You know, what I was Mm. taught, what was good, and I was acting on that, and then at some point was then convinced. So I think Mm. what what is hard about that is, like, you can very quickly make someone's beliefs irrelevant, you know, and you can write them off and be like, see, you never believed it, really, because if you really believed it the whole time, you would have been acting this way. And And the grief wouldn't hit that hard if you actually believed it. Right. And like, yeah, that's just up for debate. And I would say that I did believe it for a good chunk of time. And then what you are saying is true of like, and then it's holding on to something that like deep down, I'm like, I don't think so. Mm. Yeah, that uh, that just rings of like revisionist history. Like I really resonated with that. Like, oh, you must have never actually comprehended what you were saying. If you at one point choose to walk away completely, like. Man, like revisionist history for like, man, I really thought Stephen was a Christian, and uh, now I guess my Must entire relationship with him has a different color to it now that he's not there anymore. He must have been like lying to me the whole time or something. Yeah, and he know? never was. Yeah, that's I think the we talked about that thing. with Katie too. Is like, no, but I was though. I was all in, and I think that's why it hurts so much to me. Was like, if I didn't really care that much, this shouldn't wound me. Right. I should be able to like very easily walk away from the breakup, you know, and be like, huh, mm. I didn't really even mean anything. Mm. I do think, Josh, that big picture, I would like everyone to be more agnostic. But your question was, should Christians be more agnostic? Like, is it more Christian to like lean or embrace this agnosticism? And I don't know about that. And that's kind of where I'm like, ah. I'll let a Christian tell you, (laughs) but like as someone who probably is an agnostic, yeah, I think this is a really good place to be. And you can like, this feels way more like binding and loosing to me. Mm. It's like, I can hold anything, whether it's Christian or not, and be able to say what's truth and what's not like, what am I? (laughs) What's life giving and and what's not? I get really universal with all the Jesus stuff. Cause I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're all sons of God and we're all, you know, and it gets real 
I'm sure that makes a lot of people upset, but it's like, yeah, if I actually believe this, like I have the keys to the kingdom right now and I always have had them and I always will have them, then I can bind and loose all of the time, regardless of what book it is. Hmm. Wow. But I, I totally realize that that like is heresy. Careful. Yeah. Careful that you don't tweet that. Cause if you use the words, Jesus was Christ, Buddha was Christ, Muhammad was Christ. Speaking of Gunger, you're going to go and get yourself crucified. Which was a fine tweet, but he knew exactly what he was doing. And (laughs) it's like, whatever, dude. If you want to piss off the internet, you know exactly what to do. (laughs) Yeah. At this point, he definitely does. I just keep coming back to... I I do like your soft rebuttal there. I I really like your perspective. But I just keep coming back to Paul, in my mind, saying that faith is hoping for something and thinking that it's true, but not being completely sure. I'm summarizing Paul in a way that is not worded perfectly, but that's the way I read it. Do I think apologetics are a waste of time? Yeah, kind of. In sure. that same way of like, that's not the point, And it never <laughs> has been. Right. If someone comes to me, even like where you guys are at, that's why I'm like, this is not Alex's treatise on why we should burn down Christianity. <laughs> Cause like at the end of the day, if you have had a personal experience that is making your life better and you can commit and be like, yes, this is better for me. This is good for me. And I believe that this is true. Uh, my mom's episode is exactly that, where she says, there's just some things that I want to believe in and I'm going to. And even though like that can be frustrating on like a science-minded level of like, what are you talking about? You can't just believe things. But like, yes, you can. And that might even be better for you. Because for her, like, for her, it's very much, it comes down directly to an active choice. You know, like, we we titled the freaking episode Choosing to Grow Together, not just, like, accidentally believing that we're going to grow together, you know? And if it becomes not good for you, don't. Right. You know, you, you can stop. You can stop believing, and you can come back. Prodigal son. Prodigal son right there. That's my, yeah. that's my favorite Bible story. Alex, I'm so curious. Alex, do you ever think you'll pull a prodigal son? Oh. Like, have you thought about that before? Like, is there going to reach a point in your future where you're like, ah, this whole agnosticism thing, I don't know anymore. Maybe it's not good for me. Maybe I do need a tradition to hold on to. Have you thought about that? At this point, it would be foolish for me to say no. Hmm. Right? Of like, did I learn anything that I just said? You know? (laughs) If anyone is listening and I was like, nope, I figured it out. They'd be like, you are so dumb. <laughs> this guy's not in yellow after all. Right. Yeah, exactly. I will say that I've always had like in the back of my head this fear since like being a teenager. Like when I started questioning things that was like, man, am I going to become a pastor? <laughs> and I've never wanted to be a pastor. I will still say like, no, I don't want to be a pastor. Hmm. And there's still that thing that's like, I love talking about this stuff. I love everything that a pastor on paper should do for people. I love all that. Do I think, sorry, Emily, do I think that like the structure of church and pastoring might be fundamentally broken? Like, yeah, maybe. So in a way, like, do I think I'm pastoring by being on the Into podcast? Like maybe a little. I think that's kind of what everyone is doing now. And we have gotten rid of this this power structure this like monopoly on who gets to be the one who tells me about god and whether or not i'm good well yeah i mean our entire internet attention economy is based on followers and followings yeah like flocks 
is what we're talking about. And we talk about pastors being, you know, the word comes from being a freaking shepherd. Yeah. So, of course, we're all kind of embodying that spirit a little bit, you know, given our decentralized nature of being able to communicate with whatever technology is available to us. Alex, you reminded me of a professor I had in college, and she and her husband grew up in different faith traditions. One was Jewish, and one was Catholic. And then by the time that they met each other and got married, both of them had, for lack of a better word, secularized. Like, they were not practicing anymore. Their families were. Like, they definitely, like, had grown up with different traditions. And she mentioned to me at one point that she... And her husband had talked about how they both think that in their old age, they will each return to their own traditions, which is partly anecdotal, but it, truly it's partly statistical too. Like oh, yeah. that those are the statistics of the church. Well, and that's where I'm, that's why I don't want to be too judgmental of like, I mm-hmm. don't have kids. Okay. Mm-hmm, how right. much freedom do I have to choose about what community I'm in? Where it's like, no dude, when you have kids, do you understand how that changes your thinking. Where am I going to take my kids? What am I going to teach my kids? What world do I want to expose my kids to? That was a big part of your dad's calculus. Yeah, if I can have a guarantee that I take them to Sunday school and they get a pretty good moral message and I know everyone around them will probably have clean language and like probably no one's going to hurt them, you know? And of course, this is like how it ought to be. That's not a bad thing, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And it's free. Come on. It's true. It's free daycare for a morning. (laughs) Free-ish. Alex, you probably will find this interesting. Steven, you probably will as well. But I was just listening to a podcast with Jay Baker. Do you know that name? Yeah. No, I do not. Okay. Was this Piper's episode of Pastor's Kid? It sure was. What? Our our internet friend. I've only heard episode one. Yeah. Jay Baker's episode two? Yeah, Jay Baker's episode two. This is the Pastor's Kid podcast with Piper Ramsey Sumner. Um, yeah, it's a really good episode, but uh, one thing that he highlighted that was so intriguing to me is like not only is he a PK of a famous, infamous, fallen pastor who like went to prison, but oh my. he is currently a pastor himself and raising a kid, but not in the church. Hmm. And what? Yeah, that was so fascinating to me. And like uh, that kind of like familial separation, I think is so not normalized certainly not christianity but definitely not at large either i'm both so confused and i'm like is that the best thing he could be doing as a father maybe (laughs) yeah time (laughs) will tell right kid would i like you to be free of all this pressure that like everyone keeps raising their hand and being like hey maybe this wasn't good for me yeah someone someone gave his kid uh like a kid's bible kind of thing that had like david and goliath in it and his kid was asking. He was like, "Like, what is all this?" And he's like, "Oh, you don't need to worry about it." Whoa! So, like, his kid has like has no concept of like Bible stories or Jesus or anything like that. Like, he refuses. Well, they are going to grow up to worship Satan and practice <laughs> witchcraft. <laughs> but I just think that that's such a fascinating take on like it is possible, even though a lot of people disagree with this. I really think it's possible to believe something like not just say you believe something but feel like you believe something and not put the pressure on other people to adopt your beliefs oh but that's so how can you believe in an afterlife where people go to hell and not be compelled you know 
I'm Christian-ish. I don't believe in that hell. Have you, Alex, ever felt pressured by me to be like, come be Christian again with me? No, but that's more what I mean of like at some point you rationalize and you go, if I actually believed that, I would probably be compelled to tell everyone I meet about this. Therefore, I must not believe this. Sure. But it depends on if you care more about people's life now or life later. Ugh. You know, that's a good question. I mean, but but again, if if we go to if we take a Christian view and sure, that can be very nuanced. But like big picture, I think it's fair to say, like, if I take a Christian view, I should 100 percent care more about their life later. I regardless of afterlife, I think because of afterlife is what because, he's saying. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Oh, so you're talking to someone who doesn't afterlife. believe in the afterlife. So, hey, well, hey. something we can all agree on. <laughs> Except Stephen, maybe. Except Steven, maybe. I'm, oh, I'm still. He's a hard maybe. Because there might still be something good out there. Well, where Josh is just an annihilationism. I am still. I'm still tripping pretty hard on my what I think was a mystical experience where I possibly like encountered the spirit of my daughter. So, mm. I don't. Yeah, know. that would do it. I don't know. Um, Personal experience, man. There it is. There it is again. We respect that, right? But yeah, I. I I think that's easy to say because we were raised in a very particular subculture of Christianity that emphasized that. I think there are certainly much older Christian traditions that don't emphasize that nearly as much. Heck, man, Judaism. I've been a huge fan of that since like rolling to agnosticism and like they don't want you to be on their team. Right. We will actively discourage you, right? (laughs) Good for them, you know? It is possible. I stand by that. Yeah, because I'm also thinking, like, my my recent episode of No Normal People with uh, John G., he's a bishop with, I forget which denomination, Uh, the word bishop should probably clue you in to narrow it down, I guess, but um, he is big into uh, Celtic Christianity after kind of exploring his heritage of being Northern Irish. Mm. And outside of Eastern Orthodoxy and the Holy Roman Catholic Church of the West, Celtic Christianity is basically like the third oldest stream of Christianity that's out there. And very like one of the first things they emphasize is we're not here to talk about original sin. We talk about original blessing and the beauty of nature and why God is the God of nature and this and nature is revealing the nature of God, maybe being even cyclical, something about like carbon dioxide being absorbed by plants. They give oxygen. We take oxygen. We give carbon dioxide back. Like, you know, those Celts were on mushrooms. Uh, well, I'm not even going to discourage that. I think that's probably <laughs> effective <laughs> to encounter Good for them to encounter a God that might be worth following instead of like, the Jonathan Edwards, I'm a spider being dangled above of above the licking flames of hell, you know? Yeah. That's how I was raised. So, of course, I would assume that Christianity always has to come back to, well, if you're honestly worried about someone's afterlife, you, you, you know, you should be compelled to constantly share and be kind of like that jerk on the street trying to street evangelize and hand out chick tracks. But I've, I think that's a lot of our context speaking coming through you know that's what is always nice whenever i hear emily because that shows me where like i'll say the the church 
the Christian church, the American Christian church. And then Emily will say something and I'm like, well, that rocks. She's like, (laughs) Methodists are over here, man. That's not the American Christian (laughs) church. And she's like, well, technically it is. And we're great. It's one of them. Right. Um, Alex, in wrapping up a little bit here, at the end of wherever we find ourselves at the end of this thread and thinking back to like the other episodes of your co-hosts and the idea that you are pastoring them. Oh, what are your, (laughs) what are your final thoughts here? Like where, where do we go from here? You sound like you're ramping into an altar call right now, Josh. (laughs) Yeah. Can I get a rephrasing? Where do we leave our lines tonight? (laughs) Tomorrow begins tonight. (laughs) You nailed it. That was good. Jeez. Oh, man. Raise your hands if you believe in Jesus again. I think we did it. I think we won over Alex for the oh, Lord. Like no. we, oh, we taught him that we I'm don't believe Christian. in that God either that he rejected. And he's like, well, now what? Like, I guess I'm back. Our first like, on air conversion. <laughs> uh, we won one for the Lord. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. We just. <laughs> that would be beautiful. It would be kind of, you know, what I can like, I can recognize gotcha. that. Maybe. Um, it didn't happen, but I mean, hypothetically, that well, would be awesome. The audience will decide. <sighs> um, without being too like subjectivist and relativist, but that's exactly what I think is the answer, is like, do what is good for you, because at the end of the day, if we believe that we're made in the image of God and that we have the spark of creation within us, you know that. Like, you have the inter-knowing, the inner-knowing, the inter-knowing, the interweb, uh, the inter-knowing of God, because you are this holy creation, right? I'm still on board with, like, all of this language. Like, I already Mm. told you guys what would be disingenuous for me to say. This is not. Mm. That's what I think. And so, for you to be able to discern, hey, I'm at this church, and I think that kind of like what Kevin was saying of like, and we think that the spirit is interceding every 1030 during our worship set because we put on fog and raise our hands. Like let's not kid ourselves. And I think a lot of us have that inner knowing. And we also know that it's good to have children in a safe environment where we can teach them good stories about good morals and to have tradition And it's good to have potlucks and talk about life and sing together, right? That's all what I think is the deep holy spark that is telling us, like, how do I move from J to K? Uh, And I think that everyone on the Into podcast is doing that individually and hopefully as a collective. Totally. I think I've told every one of you Into hosts is that I love that i absolutely love the diverse dynamic at your table amongst the generational differences gender differences you know faith differences economic differences like there are so many things that come into play uh that gift the rest of us with like wildly different perspectives than the one i'm used to you know yep and uh in my opinion, into is like the best of what a small group in a church 
could be. And this is why I'm not currently going back to the church. Like, I know that those are good things. You're being served by this version. Exactly. It's saying, oh, I don't have to get that explicitly from religion. And that's not the only place it exists. Kevin talked about that, and I think he nailed it. And that's where I'm at right now. Like, Into is my small group, and D&D is my small group. And that's going to improv comedy and my wife's sketch performances is going to church, you know, and how many people, how many people out there are a part of a church and that whole like fellowship, secret sauce, being together, potlucks is the whole reason they're staying. And I don't think that's invalid. I don't either. I think that's the only reason they should stay. And there's Mm. something in them that says like, this is great. I should come back. It's all this other stuff that I think gets in the way and is the unnecessary burden on Atlas. That's good stuff. That's powerful stuff. Well done, my friend. You I guess we'll end on that. You don't have to bear the burdens no, of this stop. world. <laughs> it's not on you. Someone else took them for you. Shrug it Dude, off. Shrug it slight- off. <laughs> Back to Jesus. Another man carried Jesus' cross when he couldn't. Now let Jesus carry yours. I could do this all day. The thing is, that's still good advice. I know. But I'm like, it's not quite right to me anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. yeah, lay down your cross, but you don't even have to put it on Jesus. It's like, God didn't even give you that to carry. Just throw it away, Dang. you know? And it's the same message at the end of the day. It's like, no, you mm. can don't carry these burdens. You don't have to do that. You're good, and you always have been. Alex, I so enjoyed having you a part of this conversation. Yeah, like it, it always intrigues me so much talking to people who like are now not Christian, like whatever label you ascribe to, whether it's like atheist, agnostic, deconstructed, deconverted, just not Christian, or walked away, like whatever it is. It just intrigues me so much to hear people talk about their experience and what they now think about the thing that they left. And I think it's so valuable, especially for anyone who's going to call themselves anything close to Christian. I would like to think so. Like, I think people should absolutely listen to people like you. Like it it would be stupid for people not to. (laughs) Right. Like if, uh, if you're all of your employees quit, you should be like, well, why did my employees quit? You would think (laughs) you should figure it out. Uh, Alex, will you tell people that are listening where they can find you online and your podcast and yourself and all that beautiful stuff? My handles are either Falcon Lad, all one word, or Falcon underscore Lad. Uh, my Venmo is two, just in case. (laughs) Question Falcon Lad two is your Venmo? All right. Uh, we'll tithe to Alex today. I don't post all the greatest things i'm not like super active so you should definitely follow at in two i n two podcast yep or my wife i'll shout out her because she's great at being online yeah so go listen to her episode and hear her handles hands down my favorite twitter follow katie's tweetings Katie's insties. We're just veering credit. Um, I don't know if I ever told you. I know I think at this point we've described all the uh the design thought that went into the cover art of Ravel with the political mm. compass test we described for Torna and then the different colors representing each of us and all that. But I don't know 
if I ever told you guys that um, Dixie and I chose the colors for the Highline logo based on spiral <gasps> dynamics. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. I wanted an element of the integral stages, and I liked the turquoise better than the yellow, so that was just an, ex- an aesthetic choice. Um, so I have the turquoise on one side, orange on the other side, and then it's all mediated by this big old gulf of purple, because I think the world is probably more magic than we give it credit for. I love that. Yeah, that's good. That's the fun stuff. We all right live there. in a very mystical world, and we know a lot less than we think we do. Yes, 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 absolutely. Um, Alex, we usually have Emily sign us out, and we've been giving every guest an opportunity to toast us out of this thing. Does the spirit move you? <laughs> Does the agnostic spirit of the universe move you? Oh, MFs. <laughs> uh, I think we've all, I don't know if it's just because Emily has been gone, but it feels like we've all been embracing the May you. I love it. And that is always what I would sign people off with. So the May you? What? The May you from Rob Bell. May you. Oh, yeah, 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 blah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Not to like totally reveal the magic of the format. Even when you know the magic of the format, it still hits. It made, it like, made you cry when your dad said it. So something yes, worked. And I knew it. And I was like, oh, he's doing the classic Rob Bell. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. Oh, wow. You know, but, um, the church did that all first. Like the church just figured that out <laughs> on a stroke of luck. Ayo. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, to all the Ravel listeners, to my friends, Stephen and Josh, may we be empowered by the divine spark within us to rightly divide the word of truth and to discern what is good for us. May we have permission to air our grievances and our lamentations and acknowledge what has been wounding for us. And may we heal and find progress. Peace be with us. Welcome to No Normal People. I'm Steven. And I'm Dixie Lee. The internet didn't need another podcast interviewing the same famous authors, artists, and thought leaders. Dixie, my friend Bailey educated me about a word called sonder, and this is the realization that any stranger or passerby you see has a life equally complex, deep, and vibrant as your own. So join us every Tuesday as we talk to the normal people in our lives and hopefully inspire sonder in yours. No normal people. It's like Humans of New York, but a podcast, and in Montana. Highline Media Network. Normal people in normal places.